Brett, thank you for being here with us. This is another episode of Dirty Scrap, the Luminum podcast. And man, finally, finally you're here. Um, so how, how are you doing? Happen. Yeah. How's everything going? Good, man. It's good. It's uh, just trying to, like I said earlier, man, just trying to keep the wheels on the bus. We got, got a lot of moving parts. So, you know, you just uh, one day at a time, just do what you can do. Right. Um let me ask you something because I want to start this knowing you a little bit better. I know you uh, are part of a huge family business. Your grandfather started this business, but you are very involved into the recycling industry. I mean, I can I can see that you are uh, involved in uh, let's say several different uh, areas areas right of the recycling industry. You are on the tire recycling scrap business. But also you are a coach, you have a master's degree on uh, business, but also uh, applied science. How you become everything you are right now and how is working with a family in the business? And, and it's a tough industry because the scrap industry is not easy, right? So tell me right. about you. And you have a podcast. That, that is amazing. Yeah. I love it. You know, I, I, you know, for me, man, here's the deal. I was born to two hardworking parents. Um, my grandfather and grandmother, two hardworking people. And nobody in my family ever went to college. Nobody in my family ever even stepped foot. And I grew up in a scrapyard. We had a, a kind of a little small yard in Colorado, Idaho. And eventually, you know, we had bought a little feeder yard um, in a place called Mountain Home, Idaho. But I really grew up in Caldwell just small family business, you know, a handful of employees, just people trying to uh, to build something. Um, right. And so I think I get my just my general work ethic and whatever else, just I think it's kind of in my DNA. So I was blessed with two parents that just showed me how to um, get up every day and go to work and just put your head down and, and go to work. And, and, you know, you've heard, I've heard the saying a, a thousand times that, you know, the more I work, the luckier I get, you know, that, that's, that's the truth, man. It's, you just put your head down, you go to work, you, you know, you do what you said you're going to do and you put the time in. And I think for me, that's what it amounts to. I'm, I'm not any more special than anybody else. I, I, just, I grew up like a lot of other people, just maybe with me, maybe I had a little bit less than some people. So I had to work a little bit harder. I think it was that's hard working. That's that's what I know. You know, is is just get up every day and go put the time in. Yeah, that's the way, man. I mean, uh, I'm a Latin American guy, and as you can imagine, I'm from Colombia. Colombia is uh, it's not an easy country. You know, you need to hustle every day. Right. So yeah, and and like you, uh, in this business, I love this business. And how is to grow up? in this business with two very hard worker parents and as you said that being you know teaching you how to work wake up every morning and say you know let's move forward because it's not easy working with the family i used to have a business with my family back in colombia and mm -hmm. it, it, it was it, it was a little bit complicated it's not easy right because in some right. point they are the boss, but then they are the parents too. And separate that thing is not easy. How was for you, or how is it? Because you're still working with them, right? Yeah. So here's the, so I re I retired my parents in 2015. 
Um, I watched my dad work with my grandfather um, for a lot of years, and it was a very tough relationship. Um, oh, really? My grandfather was a very tough man, very um, hard to get along with for some people. He was loving, old school. loving man towards his grandkids, but he was a very old school, tough soul. And right. uh, my dad was, you know, very much a people person, very much a uh, like a thought idea guy. He was an entrepreneurial and how he thought about things. And his his dad never really gave him much of an opportunity to you know to do things his way. So I think in 1997, uh, my dad got the opportunity to partner with Schnitzer Steel and buy my grandfather out. And I can thank, you know, and in one hand, I know my dad had it pretty rough because he had a tough father who it took him a while to give him an opportunity to run the show the way he thought it needed to be ran. Right. I thank my grandfather because he made it so difficult on my dad that my dad had then in turn made it a lot easier for me because yeah, he recognized where the issue was. And my dad and I, we have some pretty rough, you know, goes. For a lot of years, you know, of competing ideas, competing thoughts of how things should be done, how things should be run. And uh, but I, I, I'm I'm blessed beyond to have a, a dad and a mom that a taught me how to work hard, but B gave me the opportunity. To, to bring a lot of people in that I knew a lot of uh, kids, some guys I went to college with. Right. The guys that went along the way and helped me build the business to where it's at today because my parents basically, my dad included, he just said, I'm not gonna do what my dad did to me to you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna create that environment. I'm actually going to let you get in here and do it the way you think it needs to be done, and I'm gonna support you. So man, I'm I'm pretty pretty fucking lucky when it comes to it, you know. Great. So That's great. Yeah, because at the end, or you decide to become the same thing that you as your father, or you decide to become the opposite. It's, it's, it's the way that life, you know, builds you. It is what it is. Yes. I'm really happy to, to hear that. So you are right now running the, the, the business by yourself. Correct. Yeah, I have one sister, and uh, she's a school teacher, just like my wife. My wife's a uh, third grade school teacher. And my sister is a third grade school teacher as well. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm I don't have any brothers or sisters or cousins or, you know, um, in the business or whatever. It's it's me and, and all my friends that I work with every day. You know, we, we build it. We get up every day and we we build it together. We all kind of put in our uh, two cents. What we think uh, needs to happen. We. We make group decisions and we, we move the ball forward. That's the way, man. That's the way. Yeah. Do you have any any kids? I have two young boys. I, I They're young. They're 13 and uh, my youngest boy just turned 10. So I got two boys. Um, and uh, we'll see someday. I don't know. I don't have a, you know, I don't have any expectations for them. I do this because I love it, man. Like, right. I tell this to people all the time, like, I, I, I'm in this industry, in the scrap, you know, recycling business, because I love it. Like, I've always loved it my whole life. 
I knew exactly what I was going to do my whole life. There was never a thought. There was never a like, well, maybe I could. There's other things that interest me, but right. Like but this my day to day grind is my and my day to day grind is as much just entrepreneurship, right? Like, but my, a lot of our businesses are you know kind of formed around the idea of recycling or you know transportation logistics stuff like that. Right. And talking about the, the recycling industry, because I think that I, I, I see that you are involved in a lot of different, let's say, uh, subgroups of the recycling, right? The scrap, but also tires. What is the tougher one? Because at the end, tires, I think, is I have a customer and they make the full process, right? From uh, reclamation and all the process, separate everything. Actually, they have even a foundry for the, for the steel wire. It's a full closed loop process. Is the same as you are doing right now, or do you stop right before the foundry? We actually are in the process of going all the way to commodity. So we're going right. all the way to crumb rubber. Um, we pull the steel out. So we have the ability. We've done reclamation projects. So we have the ability. We have mobile shredders as well. So mm -hmm. we'll go on site to a landfill to a you know facility and we'll shred on site and oh, give, really? we give the customer the option you know we can shred here you guys can bury it you know we'll meet your uh your landfill spec um on reduction size or we have uh, we're in the process of bringing that material back to our facility in idaho and going all the way to crumb from rubber tdf um we we're excited about the future of tire recycling um it adds another component to our business as as so you're not really locked into just steel or copper or right. aluminum or nickel, you know, or nickel or it gives you another commodity that you can uh, focus on um, and another opportunity to grow. Yeah, that's great. Recycling industry, do you think it's changing a lot? Because at the end, if you compare the United States with Europe or Latin America, it's totally different. In Europe, they have, I think they've been moving in the, into the green direction, right? Circular economy and uh, alternative energies uh, for a long time. Right now, I think the United States is going in the same direction. I don't know if it's the, the best way to do it or not, but I think it's, it's happening right now. Um, how do you feel these changes? Mostly on the scrap business. Yeah, I, I believe that recycling is, is, a, is a big part of the economy and it's only going to become a bigger part of the economy it is. that we bring, you know, to the table every day. Now, I think that you can take it too far, just like anything. Right. Um, I think you can use when the government starts over subsidizing industry and basically creating and picking winners and losers versus letting the market kind of naturally evolve right. towards, you know, understanding that there's 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 only so many resources available and we have to find ways to, you know, not only just mine these resources, but also urban mine them and put them back into circulation. So I'm a big proponent of recycling, obviously, but I'm also a big proponent, like I think I kind of walk that line of, um, of government intervention going too far where they right. are, you know, just picking who to subsidize and what industries to subsidize and which industries not subsidize, which that kind of makes me nervous. Um, 
there's certain situations where I can appreciate that they're trying to find alternative sources of energy, alternative uh, fuels and whatnot. But I mean, the electric car is like probably the most perfect example of, of I think government going too far into an industry <laughs> that isn't ready for, for that. Right. Like, I mean, you, you're, you're talking about green economy, green this and, and, and renewables that, but they, then if you really did people that really understand it and they start digging into the true cost of, of, uh, to the environment of creating this, this battery and what, what that all entails. And, um, I think that there's, there's more to it than just the optics of we're doing something green because we throw it in the, in the, in the blue recycling bin, you know, like there's a lot right. more to the back end of it. So I think that's kind of a, like it, it, it can go a lot of different directions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally agree. And I, I mean, I'm involved in the business. We create solutions for the foundry industry. And the idea for us obviously is to help foundries to go and uh, into the metal transformation in a better and most efficient direction. Right. But I'm totally right. agree. I mean, Every time you open a window or, 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 or you open a door, you are opening uh, a Pandora box in, in, in some ways, because it is what it is. Uh, for example, uh, alternative energies. I, I, I love the alternative energies, but why we are not using nuclear energy anymore? If the cleanest one, we know how to do it. We know how to use it. We have better technology, but we are just pushing everything on the side because of the trends. And I mean, I'm agree, but come on, we, we need to understand very well what's going on, right? And it's the same with the recycling industry. China, for example. What do you think about that and everything that is happening right now? How is this deglobalization? De de because it, it, it is happening right now, affecting the industry from your point of view. Because it's happening. Yeah, I... I, I subscribe to this, uh, it's called the Copper Journal, and a guy by the name John Gross puts it out, and he's talking about uh, copper consumption by country mm -hmm. here this last week, and and in it he talks about like how much copper China consumed in in 2000 versus like where how much copper consu is consumed by China in 2022, right, in 2023. Right. And it's, I mean, it totally flip-flopped, right? I mean, they, you know, they were like number 13 or 14 on the consuming countries back in 2000, and they're number one today. Um, I think that that, as far, as far as China goes in general, I mean, we're, we're, we're at the point now as a country and as a world, we are, uh, we're all heavily intertwined, right? So it's, it's, there's, we need each other. To all be successful, right? But but at what detriment and at what cost? I think we all have to kind of understand. You know, if you're shipping all of your copper, if all of your refining is going to another country, then and you're not refining any of that material in the United States because of all the red tape and all of the uh, you know all the laws that prohibit you from 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 doing that. I mean, you're kind of at a like a, a pick. You're in a pickle, right? Like, you don't necessarily want to ship all your commodities to, to a second world or third world country to be produced. But if your government doesn't allow you or makes it so cost prohibitive to do that here, I mean, what do you do as a business owner to to stay alive? Like, if you're competing with 
incoming raw materials, raw, raw commodities, and you're not allowed to refine them here or the cost is, is too high to do that, then you're in kind of a quandary. So I don't know the answer. I, whether it's China or importing steel from Russia or Ukraine and, and as they battle and, and other countries get more involved, we are in a true globalized world where everything is interconnected one way or the other. And I guess that goes all the way back to why I dislike, you know, the, any government picking winners and losers and kind of allowing the market to shape and, and, and shake itself out really. And just let, let the real good operators win, let the real innovators innovate and find the capital you know, find people to believe in their process, find people to believe in their business enough to invest private money to subsidize these, you know, and then let the real operators win versus, you know, a guy that's connected to the government here or to a lobbyist there. His company gets funded while your company on the private side is battling against a publicly funded company you're you're in a tough spot, you know. Like, oh, yeah. It's hard to compete, and and I think you know. So you know, to circle all the way back, you know, to to China and, and what's going on there, I think China's in the same thing that we were doing there, trying to shake out of COVID and trying to you know get their country going again. And the difference between them and us is we've printed a shitload of money <laughs> yeah. and just yeah. Put it into our economy. China does things a little bit differently, right? I think they subsidize some of these businesses and they subsidize industry, and that's kind of their way of um, uh, stimulating their economy, you know, through their GDP. Like right. they, they measure and they, their strength of what does their GDP look like this quarter this year? How are they going to do that? And right now, you know, whether it's sending cheap billet steel to other countries you know and, and melting steel for for less than it should cost and you know make in and hurting industry or whatever i you know it, it just depends but i but you know i there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat i guess right now i'm totally agree with you and i think all this money that is right now into the economy is, is, is a huge mistake for all of us and i, I and i understand that the government is trying to dry this money out of uh, the economy, but it's, it's not easy. And well, it is what it is, right? And, and this is yeah. where we are. Now, saying that, what do you think is the future for the recycling industry in the United States? Because for me, it's very clear that everyone is going in the same direction, but from the basic, from the foundation that is the scrap jar, how do you feel it? You know, I think, there's a lot of upside to the traditional scrapyard. I think the, I, I really go back to, I think the real operators are going to operate and they're going to have some success. You know, the, it is a true commodity um, business. Right. It used to be scrap and people are starting to recognize it's an actual commodity. It's an actual resource that is there, which I think will in the future drive you know, um, outside investment, the people that maybe normally wouldn't have thought they would be invested into the the recycling industry are now starting to come in and say, hey, this is a real opportunity. There's, you know, there's, there's real operators out there that, you know, if they had a little bit more funding 
could, you know, really grab market share, right? You've got right. a lot of these multi-generational families, multi-generational businesses. Um, you have a younger generation um, that if they aren't motivated to carry on the business, there's probably some acquisition, some consolidation opportunities um, where people are just like, yeah, that's not really my my forte. Um, I don't really want to be in the, the, the scrap business or the recycled, you know, iron business or aluminum, you know, recycling business or whatever it is. So I think there is going to be some some acquisition opportunities and maybe some outside funding opportunities, which then, you know, will will create, you know, a, uh, you know, more in the spotlight industry, I guess, is for lack of a better term. I think that as copper becomes more of a problem um, and more of a resource that's needed, like everybody seems to be thinking that it, it will be more important, you know, moving forward. And if you're going to electrify everything, copper is kind of a big piece of that equation. Oh, yeah, so, it is is really right for the recycling industry as a whole um, yeah. and I feel I feel lucky I feel blessed that I like I, I was in it I liked it so I get to kind of do something that's positive at the same time I mean I'm in I'm, I have the ability to make money doing it if I do right. it correctly right so I'm kind of I feel lucky that I get that that I get that that's kind of a win oh it is it is it is now <clears throat> I mean, this industry is great, but I think the pandemic hits uh, us in a certain way that allowed us to develop so many, so many different ways to keep working and keep moving forward. And one of those ways is, is this, right? The platforms yes. just open to this industry because I think this industry, we have a lot of dinosaurs in this industry, right? And, and I'm doing, or I'm saying this in the, in the best way I can do it, right? We have, and we need those old guys for, you know, the feedback, uh, mentoring, and everything because we want to learn from them. That's that's Correct. that's a, a, a something that we really need. But at the end, the new generation needs to understand that we need to push this industry forward. And I am not from from this country, but I love this country. I love the opportunity that this country creates for everyone. And I think I really think that if I need to choose a place to stay, it's going to be United States. I love it. Now, saying that the industry is changing a lot. How become uh, on the real side your podcast? Because I, I understand you start in 2020, right? I start the same. I start doing something that we call e-experts um, back in the 2020. And we start doing some interviews and some podcasts at the shows, you know, the history mm -hmm. show, uh, the yeah. show, Cast Expo. We used to go with my camera guy and doing so many different things. And your, your podcast, you started in 2020, right? How this idea just become true? You know, this is it's a good question. So I started my first podcast. Um, I had bought a pipe company in Indiana, and um, it's what they call a reline material. So you would line existing steel pipe with this material. And mm -hmm. I started a podcast because i i liked I liked the business the the pipe business and I was trying to understand it better and try to market this kind of unique product to the masses. And so I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to interview everybody about it that knows a lot about um, this reline 
material and how to realign right. existing culverts and pipe. And, and, and long, long story short, that was my first podcast. Even though my true, you know, like I've said in the past, like my true, my true love is the recycling industry. You know, I do other businesses and and whatnot that I enjoy, and I and I really think, you know, I'm, I think highly of them. But like, I was like, I'm gonna now, well, now that I kind of got my feet wet, I'm gonna do a podcast about just people in the scrap industry, owners, operators, you know, just people in, in and around involved in that in the industry and. And because that's where my passion was. And I think it would show right. through just the people I got to talk to. And now, you know, moving forward, say three more years, I'm I'm on a project now in the middle of starting a business that is um, with a couple of friends of mine that we are teaching people how to um, build up their brand and build up their own podcast, right? Because I, I feel like, I've, I've, I've done it. I know how it is to take a, a small company and grow it. And I know what that marketing and that media component can bring to the table. And when you talk about dinosaurs in an old school industry and how do we get people aware of what we're doing, it's more people like you and I out there teaching people, showing people the value of having your podcast, of um, p- making people aware of your facility and what you're doing every day and, and what you bring to the table and what your business is about. Um, are you a first generation? Are you a fourth generation? You know, what do you know? What, what, what do you specialize in and just how to, to do that? And I think like for me, man, like I, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yourself included, like, you know, people know you and they're aware of you and understand what you're doing. And, right. and it's really just a matter of you taking the time out of your schedule and saying, I'm going to commit to a certain amount of hours and whatever to, to talk about my industry, to talk to my customers, to talk to industry experts, to, to, to do that. And I'm not any more special than the next guy. Like, I'm just a guy over in Idaho, that, you know, doing what, you know, I think needs to be done and, and something I like to do. And so... I feel like that that opportunity is out there for a lot of people if they if 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 they just had a little guidance to show them how to do it. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. What is easier from your point of view to build a brand for a company or to build a personal brand in this? Say so you cut out of me. Say what's easier. Ask the question again. What 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 is easier from your point of view to build a personal brand or to build a company brand because it's different. Yes, hundred percent. It's very different. Um, I believe if you own the business, you need to build them together because people need to recognize that you are an owner operator and you are in the middle of your business, right? I think you can build them in combination. If you're like an entrepreneur, let's say you work for a larger company, but you're a big part of that business and you want to be known in your industry as a expert or as somebody that's knowledgeable about your field right then it's easier for you to build your personal brand within that business but i would recommend somebody building both in tandem because i want people to know that if you if you have a problem you know if you if you have a problem with one of our companies or you have an opportunity that one of our companies could take advantage of that you can get right to me, the decision maker. 
I'll right. I'll get you in touch with the people right now, and we'll either help you, or we'll we'll solve your problem, or we'll but we're we're gonna take care of you. And I think then that reflects back on your your company as a whole, right? And I, and I so as far as easier, I mean, I mean personal brand, you just put the put the put, <laughs> get your iPhone out, point at your face, and go. Simple, and if you got right. something worth saying that people want to listen to. You can build it fairly quickly, right? But um, as a company, if you don't have, I mean, if there's nobody there to tell you what you can post and what you can't post, and it's your deal, you can run it the way you want to, I think you need to do both. Totally agree. And just to get into the end, um, what is coming from Scrap Life? What, what we can expect from the next episodes? And by the way, the, the episode with Joe Sacco, I love it. Amazing. That's an amazing guy. Very tough guy. Yeah. And what is coming from your side to feed or to give more feedback for the industry? What we can expect? You can ex expect. I got. Like I said I got something that I've been working on for a while now, for probably a couple of years, and we're finally going to bring it to market here in the next uh, couple of months. That I'm super excited about. Um, I got a couple of industry veterans I'm working with that are knowledgeable about how to build brand and how to build your business. Because I truly believe this, Julio, the market's going to get tougher. I feel like the economy is getting tougher and, and, and maybe it lasts for a couple months, maybe it lasts for a couple years, but I've been through these cycles before and I've seen the markets get tough and scrap get tough to come by. And the one thing that you cannot do is take your foot off the gas of on your marketing because your marketing is what's going to help you. The, the, if the market share shrinks, now your goal is going to be to get a larger part of that market share on your local level, your state level, whatever that is. And the only way that you get a larger portion of that market share is to for people to be aware that you exist and pick up the phone or shoot you an email and give you a call. And the only way they know you exist is if they hear about you, they see right. you, that you've spent the money to promote your company, you spent the money to promote your podcast, you spent the money to promote, you know, your what you're doing every day. And I, I tell people this all the time, the last thing that you should cut is your marketing budget because That's what's going to drive those sales when you need them the most or to drive the opportunity. And I only know it just because I've lived it and I've done it. Right. Like, I don't want to tell people how to do something that I've never done, but I really believe that, you know, not, so we we're building a company that's called Recycle Media. Like I want to, we're going to teach people how to do it. And, and I, and I, and that opportunity exists out there. I mean, think about our industry. How many people are doing, podcasts about scrap metal recycling three four five like very few right how many recycling companies when you start counting tires scrap wood waste electronics how many recycling companies are just in the united states alone oh, a lot of those a lot yeah i mean i would twenty thousand 15, 20,000 just in At the United least. States, right? Yep. And for there to only be four or five 
podcasts, like four or five people promoting literally 15 to 20 something thousand businesses that are focused on recycling in one form or another. Right. Right. Like to me, that's like mind boggling. Right. And for me, like you, you have a like, like a grand opportunity right now to take a chunk of market share from other people in your area by just oh, yeah. being willing to, to put yourself out there and being willing to spend a little bit of money to get your, your name and your brand out there. And eventually, you know, you'll wish you would have did it three years ago, you know, or a year ago, because I promise you the guy next to you, he's going to do it. Oh yeah. If, if you don't you know? do it, someone will do it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is very interesting that you're talking about this because uh, I was thinking in the same way. We want to like make them like a marketing company that can teach people how to do this. I, 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 as you said, I don't want to teach something that I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I start this because for me, as a Colombian guy, when I started this business, I'm the business manager of a company. We sell furnaces, casting lines, different type of uh, solution for the foundry industry. From, uh, for aluminum, copper, brass, uh, even gold, silver, uh, steel, so many different metals. At the beginning for me, was complicated. Everyone was, oh, you're from Colombia? Oh, do you like cocaine? Or every, everyone was like that. Yeah. So for me, it was complicated. I remember one time I was in a show and I was trying to uh, explain to a guy some of the opportunities that we can, you know, put on the table for them with our solutions. And he said, you're a baby and you are not from here. I won't buy anything from you. And I was like, damn, man, what's going on? And then yeah. I started putting those experts on my side to have a well, very well-known guy, you know, be, be behind me or on my side to put my face there and to make myself known. And that happened. Yeah. That guy that told me, you're a baby. I sold a couple of million dollars to that guy already because we started doing this. Without this, I couldn't make it. Yeah. So I really appreciate your 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 effort, your time to that you are making time for being here with us. Uh, I think people will really appreciate it, Brett. And man, you are an inspiration for all of us. Believe me. It's amazing. I thank you for having me on, man. And like, and I tell people this all the time, like, you know, you don't need me to help, you know, you don't need me to help you, but there's a few things that we know that we can help. Right. Right. And the reality of it is you still have to be willing to do the work. Right. I right. can tell you all the tricks of the trade. You know, we can, you can, you and me could probably sit there and be like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But if you don't do it, it doesn't matter, have, right? Yeah. And and I, I just think guys like yourself, man, that are out there doing the work and 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 putting the themselves out there and saying, hey, this is me. This is what I'm about. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to trying to do the right thing. I'm making good connections. I'm putting I'm putting my best foot forward. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. Yep. And your your genuineness eventually shows through, right? Like I tell people all the time, like, this is me. Like, you know, I probably cuss a little bit too much. I probably do shit a little bit differently than other people. But if you come and see me on a Tuesday out of the blue, is you're going to see the same guy. Like, I'm not going to change. Like, this is the way I am. Like, 
I'm not this way for the camera or this way in person. Like it's just me. And I, you're on on as you build your brand and you build up your company. If you're just genuine to your to your to who you are and to what you're doing, and you're good to people, and you and you and you cheer people on, eventually, like what goes around comes around, and people want to support you, and they want to be a part of your business, and they want to do yeah. business with you, and that's what it amounts to. I totally agree, Brett. Thank you so much for being here with us.